my brothers and sisters in the Lord, caught in the act of adultery, dragged naked by force into a public gathering place, humiliated by her sin, separated from anyone to protect her, judged and sentenced to death without trial by self-righteous leaders, and placed before the King of Kings who is pure and holy. This is how St. John describes the opening scene of one of the most poignant and theologically significant passages of Scripture. Though the story reads like a modern-day soap opera with immoral activities in which the affluent or the privileged escape while the less fortunate are punished, remember, my brothers and sisters, she was caught in the act of adultery, but only the woman was brought to judgment. It takes two to commit adultery. At the core of this incredible story is what happens when a sinner is placed at the feet of Jesus. For you see, my friends, this is the place where every person who calls themselves a follower of Christ has been and needs to go often. It is also the place where every person must go in order to experience the incredible promise of eternal life. The question is, to which voice are you listening? In the Gospel, John clearly identifies two different voices that speak to our situation in life, the voice of critics and the voice of Christ. The voice of critics, my friends, condemn criticize, destroy, mock, and humiliate. Their method is to use any means available to exploit your weakness and your failures. It is obvious that the Pharisees did not accidentally catch a woman in the act of adultery. This was a planned attack to destroy her life and to create a trap for the ministry of Jesus. St. John also exposes their motive. They were not really concerned about her adultery, and protecting the purity of society in their town. They wanted to trap Jesus by creating a situation where he would have to choose between his message of forgiveness and obeying the Old Testament laws handed down from Moses. Just as this adulterous woman had been used by her lovers for selfish reasons, these critics, my friends, used her for their own personal agenda. They recognized that Jesus was a threat to their little empire and that they had built by exploiting people by their own false teachings in order for them to gain for themselves. The story reveals, my friends, that we all face situations where different voices compete for our attention. We fail to recognize that the world or the crowd from which we so often seek approval and affirmation really doesn't care about us. We're just a tool to be used and discarded as needed to advance someone else's personal agenda. Like the Pharisees, we are all guilty, my friends, of pointing out the failures of others while ignoring our own failures in order to advance up the invisible ladder of social status. I recently read a book about the circus when it traveled to small towns by train. The author described in detail the unofficial hierarchy of the traveling circus, from the ringmaster to the various performers down to the men who set up the tents. Everyone knew their place on the food chain. 
Even the freak show performers or the sideshow acts created a system of evaluating their peers. According to the author, the three-legged man outranked the bearded woman who trumped the man with the, craw, with the crab claw hand. As I read the book, I couldn't help but think that you don't have to join the circus to experience cutting-edge judgment. You don't have to join the circus, just go to church. My friends, we judge people all the time by the color of their skin, the brand name of their clothes, the type of car, their accent, athletic ability, their education, and the list goes on. Are you a person who uses church envelopes? Do you have daily quiet time with the Lord? Did you watch an R-rated movie? Are you looking at pornography? Are you spirit-filled? Are you one of the good-looking people, or did you get hit with the ugly stick a few times? We all do it, my friends. When you face situations where the labels we place on certain people determines an outcome, how do you respond? I am not, nor does the story in the gospel suggest that we ignore the sin and the damaging effects upon people's lives. But the scripture does teach that using other people as a stepping stone is offensive to God. The most offensive sin described in the story is really not the adultery. It is the malice, arrogance, and the ignorance of the Pharisees to use the sin of another person for their own personal gain while ignoring the sin that resides in their own hearts. The voice of the critic seeks to condemn you by exploiting and exposing all your failures. In contrast, the voice of Christ confronts our sin with love and provides a better way to live. So my brothers and sisters, the question is, how should we respond to sin? This passage from the gospel has often been quoted by those who want to justify their sin. When their sin has been exposed, they arrogantly say, who are you to call me a sinner? Don't throw stones at me unless you are without sin. But that attitude expressed by the above statements totally misses the point of the story. The woman from the gospel today, the woman caught in adultery, my brothers and sisters, she was guilty. The depravity of the Pharisees did not make the woman any less guilty. The law of Moses did call for strict punishment for adultery, but the law also provided a way for forgiveness. And the Old Testament, my brothers and sisters, contains examples of sinners who repented and received forgiveness. King David is perhaps the most recognized example, but he is only one who escaped the death penalty for failing to keep God's moral code. Jesus tells the woman to stop sinning and to walk in his light. He does not excuse her sin by referring to her difficult childhood or for having an abusive husband. Jesus does not defer to the victimization that is so dominant in our culture where no one takes responsibility for their sin. He doesn't even ask who the man was with whom she was committing adultery so that the punishment may be fair. He doesn't call what the woman did a personal choice that is just different than what he would prefer. The Lord Jesus identifies her actions as sinful. We learn from this encounter, my brothers and sisters, that our response to sin should be to admit our sinful condition before God and to seek his forgiveness. All have sinned, as St. Paul writes to the church in Rome, and fallen short of the glory of God. 
Second, we learn that we should acknowledge the consequences that sin has. It is destructive in our lives. Some, some people attempt to present sin as no big deal. It's just having fun. They say, my sin is my own personal choice, my own personal business, and it doesn't hurt anybody else. But you see, my friends, shame, embarrassment, and destroyed lives are not laughing matters. The story from the gospel today allows us to see the harmful effects of sin. The third lesson revealed is how to respond to sin is to accept the forgiveness and the compassion offered by the Lord Jesus. And Jesus is the Savior who rescues us from our sin. The only one with the power and the authority to condemn the woman was the one who declared that he would not condemn her, but he extended to her compassion, forgiveness, mercy. This compassion was not just a one-time free pass that enabled her to continue her previous lifestyle. It was not a get-out-of-jail card so that she could continue playing the sin game. The compassion, the mercy, the forgiveness of Jesus gave her a new life. She was not the lowest-ranking member of the freak show anymore. She was no longer living by the standard of critics who make arbitrary rules about a person's worth. She was a child of God, freed from the bondage of sin and society's ranking system to walk in the light and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. My dear friends, accept the forgiveness offered by the Lord Jesus. Seek that forgiveness. Bring your sins to the confessional. Lay them at the feet of Jesus. Nail them to the cross. Receive his mercy his compassion, and his forgiveness, and then go and sin no more.